Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. All right, well, excited to preach God's word. Today we're in a series, It's Gonna Take All of Us. It's gonna take all of us. And as you just saw, for us to do the things we believe God's called us to do in the city, it's gonna take everybody. Would you agree to that? And uh, I want to, um, I guess, where I'm going to preach today, uh, I was thinking about when Pastor Xavier and Pastor Julio, Port Richmond, Northwest, when they used to live with me, uh, I was doing a program called Making Boys Men, and uh, that's what I did with them. So their wives can thank me, and your locations can thank me, and um, and basically, uh, I would do this thing when they lived with us, uh, they lived in the basement and it was very cool, very fresh. And, um, Julio, uh, would take extended showers, uh, to the likes of 30 minutes, taking advantage of me. And, uh, but anyway, I would, uh, whenever they would come upstairs, it didn't matter what time it could have been five in the morning or 10 a.m. I would just think of the most large church I possibly could think of that everyone would know. And I'd be like, is so-and-so's church youth pastor sleeping in till 10 a.m. today? <laughs> is so-and-so's location pastor, are they, they were interceding at 6 a.m. What are you doing? You know, it just didn't matter what. I was just giving them a hard time. Uh, and then I would proceed to say this. I would say, boys, it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. And they were very annoyed by this. But I didn't care. But I actually, I, uh, and I'm kind of kidding. I mean, you know, they, they're tremendous young men who know how to work. Uh, but the, the, where I want to go today uh, really is that statement. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to find in the book of Haggai we're studying. It's really God telling the people to get to work. And so I want to I preach a message to Pastor Xavier, to Pastor Julio, and to all of you. I want to title it, Get to Work. Get to Work. Look at somebody next to you. Tell them, get to work. Get to work. Um, so let me give you a little recap, okay, of... of where we were last week. I preached the message, whose vision? And we talked about gaining God's vision for our church. Uh, in the book of Haggai, the people, they've returned from captivity and they started rebuilding the temple. Uh, however, uh, they only built the altar, not the temple. And God wanted them to build the temple. Why do you want them to build the temple? Well, the temple represented the gathering point for their body, their community. It was a shift in culture. And essentially, the temple was their place of worship, but it was them saying, we are God's people. We are God's culture. Anyone who comes here, like we are, we exist to invite God uh, to be known in our world. Why we build the church, friends, is simply that. It's because we exist to shift and transform culture. And so why we're building it is, is because we want our church and we want God's kingdom to be in Philadelphia forever. Uh, we want uh, our, our culture to be transformed. We want to build playgrounds. We want to mentor students. And ultimately, we want to see people come to Jesus Christ. We want to revive every block. 
And so, but they didn't rebuild and they said, no, it's not time to rebuild yet. And they claimed that uh, the work was too hard and they didn't have a lot of money and, or manpower, which you're gonna find out is not true. They suffered crop failures and drought. Some of that is their fault. Hostile enemies, they couldn't uh, resist that necessarily, necessarily. And they were like, hey, it was easier in slavery, easier in captivity. I wanna say something to you that, Living for Christ, at times you will look back at your old life and go, it was easier in Babylon. It was easier in Egypt. It was a little easier. I lived how I wanted for myself. But as I shared a couple weeks ago, at the end of the day, Christians, we're not living for this life. We're living for our next life. We may not live our best life here, but we will live our best life in eternity. And we can live a best life when we make a contribution to the kingdom of God. And so some of us live for today, live for ourselves. And of course, that's why it's easier in Egypt and in Babylon. But in chapter one, verse three, we're gonna do a few verses today. Uh, Bible says, then the Lord, this is after them saying, hey, it's not time yet. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. He says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Oh, didn't that mess you up right there? He's like, let me just check my house real quick. Let me just check Zillow, make sure. <laughs> Here's why God's frustrated, okay? And, and it's so interesting that we're studying the people of Israel right now because front-facing, we are seeing the nation of Israel right now in war, under attack. And so there's an illumination now and an understanding of even why that piece of land is so valuable. God's people, God's land. God's frustrated with them. Why? Because King Solomon, former king, sets precedent. King Solomon was the wealthiest and wisest person to ever live. We know this. But before he was the wealthiest and wisest, as king, he chose to build God's house before he built his. So King Solomon sets this precedent because he begins building his kingdom by making an outrageous sacrifice to the Lord and chooses to build and complete the temple before he builds and completes his house. Here's how the kingdom of God works. Are you ready? When you build God's house, he blesses and enables you to build yours. That's it. And, and God's like, while my house lies in ruins. This was the real problem. Not, listen to me, not that God's people lived in houses or luxurious houses, not that God's people lived in comfort or luxury. That's not the issue. The issue was, is God's house was neglected. And when God's house is neglected, when the things that God cares about is neglected, and you're not bothered by that, God's bothered by that. And that's what we're seeing. It's like, I don't care. I want to bless you. I want you to live well. I, I want you to eat well. I'm glad you got timber and things for your house. Like, I'm glad you got a nice living room and a brand new bathroom. I'm good with all this. I want that for you. But also, people are dying 
Also, there are lost people who if they expire before they know me, don't spend eternity with me. Also, there's a church that you've been trying to establish for years that's not in a long-term home. All these things, like, hey, I'm good with you having stuff. In fact, I can bless you more than you can bless you. But have you forgotten what matters? That I want revival in my city. We can fix this. Some of us can serve the house of God, but choose not to. It may not be luxurious homes for you. It might be luxurious time for you. Some of us, we can fix this. Many of us can sacrificially give. Some of us have never committed to giving financially to and through the local church besides tipping God our leftovers. Some of us can sacrificially give, but we choose not to. Some of us can build another playground, but we choose not to. Some of us can build a building, but we choose not to. Most of us can go to a group or even lead a block group, but we choose not to. All of us can invite people to church or reach people, but we don't like rejection, so we choose not to. Friends, we gotta get to work. And I wanna say something, listen to me. I'm very proud of you, and I'm very proud of our church because we have been working. They're just another level. And there are people who haven't yet said, I'm ready to get to work in the kingdom of God. See, here's what happens. I will say this get to work thing. And then the people who are already at it, working, building the kingdom are like, yeah, tell me more, convict me, give me more to do. And then there are people who hear it and are like, get automatically offended, like, how dare you put this burden on me? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. When God has your heart and your heart is for the kingdom, convict me, challenge me, push me. What can I do? Where can I go? I want to build God's house. And I know God will take care of mine. Friends, we should feel a nudge until the work of God is as prosperous as our personal life. I've told my wife this. I've told my staff this. I would sell my house. I'd get rid of everything um, for us to have the facilities we needed. And maybe God will lead me to do that. However, at this juncture, uh, my home is not worth $5 million. <laughs> and so, and also, um, you know, I haven't, sense the spirit do it but i'm just telling you like i'll do anything for this thing to last i want i i, I want to be here to stay because i'm believing revival is on the way god should nudge us and the israelites should have been as willing to sacrifice for the work of god as they were for their personal comfort and luxury and i understand also that this is easy to preach it's easy to do that, and, and, and what happens a lot of times, too, is, is we get caught up in the monotony of life, and our intentions sometimes aren't even bad. We just kind of forget what we're here to do. You know, I, I think 
I think sometimes we look around at what other people have and see other people living extravagantly. We see somebody else with a chariot in their driveway using Bible speak. And then a comparison just is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why does everybody else have stuff? And so it's, it's really easy for us to be like, well, God, you want me to take care of my house and you want me to take care of my family. You want me to take care of things. And again, that's true. But when the work of God is not meeting its potential, if you're not bothered by that, there's a problem in your heart. You know what I think Haggai was? And you know what I hope to be every time I get up behind this pulpit? Is one theologian said this, who says the prophet Haggai was like an alarm clock, unwelcome but necessary. And sometimes the word of God for us is an alarm clock. It is unwelcome but necessary. And my hope is that you would observe the areas of your life where you have space and place for God and let God use you. Or even more than that, where you don't have space and place, make some. And I, I pray that this alarm clock begins to ring. The nudging of the spirit would ring in you for you to look around and go, man, I've got a city to reach. I've got friends who don't know Jesus. I've got people who need to be discipled. We've got buildings to buy and build. We've got things to do. We got to get to work. And in verse five, God says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Haggai basically is saying this, look at what's happening to you. And this is really where it gets personal. Verse six, you have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. And this is what happens to people all the time. What's happening to these, the people of Israel, what's happening to the Israelites is they're living in a double curse. They, they keep suffering setbacks. They have stuff and some of it is nice, but here's what's happening. They're unfulfilled. Do you know how many people, and it might be you, who chase stuff, wealth, relationships, status, sex, feelings, you name it, chase and chase and strive and strive, live their whole life to gain something, and they're trying to put something inside their soul that will satisfy them, but it never does. And what God's saying to them is, is hey, you have, you've gone up into the mountains and you've cut down trees and you've renovated your bathroom and you've given yourself a nice roof and you, you, you've made yourself a luxurious home and you've built yourself a chariot and you've got this glorious home and, and you got all this stuff and you got great wine and you, you have things and why are you unsatisfied? God's saying to them, you, 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 you've, you've fought and you've paid a price and you, you've come home and I've given you freedom, but, you, but you're still not free. And for some, he's saying, also, you have planted and planted and planted and planted. 
and you're harvesting little. There might be people who hear my voice today, who see my face today, and you look at your life and go, man, I've got 10 degrees, I've got a master's, I've got a doctorate, you know, I've got whatever is after that. I've got, I've got, I, I, I have worked, so I've got three jobs, I've worked so hard, and I'm not going anywhere. Where's all the money going? I feel like I'm, I'm running ragged. I wake up every day. I, I work real hard. I, I, I come home. And by the time I get home and put the kids to bed, I got no energy. I got no life. I'm un- Something's not right. It's as if there's holes in my pockets. And God's saying, you're living under a double curse. You're either unfulfilled or here's the other one. Here's the second one. Is you've got all the stuff. You even have the money in the bank, but you're producing no good. This is the even trickier one. This is the hardest one for me because this is how we can easily fall into the trap where it's like, oh, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm all these things, right? Like, like you, can, you can have, but you're producing no good. And then spiritually or even emotionally, subconsciously, you're tricked because you're like, I'm good, I'm blessed, I'm not cursed, but you're doing nothing with what you have. I rather the other thing where it's obvious, it's like, man, I ain't right with God. <laughs> oh, this makes sense. The other one, you're just, just not making a lasting legacy. You know what's hard about being a pastor? Well, I could give you a list of a hundred things, actually. They said, um, I read an article, I think it was in Forbes, that being a, a senior pastor, a lead pastor is the fifth hardest job in the world. Um, I like to tell my staff and you that they said it's fifth. I say it's first. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what's One of the hardest things is like, is, is people move, they move on. And it's, it's a tension because it's like, yes, I'm excited for you. You're moving, you're moving to a farm and God's gonna bless you. Or, hey, you're moving to Florida and you're gonna have a tan. And you know, it's like, it's hard, like praise God. But also, man, I'm gonna miss you. I love you. And also like this hurts the mission sometimes when people go. And so it is a tension at times when it's like, Ah, I think sometimes what people don't realize is, is God might have you somewhere for a season and that season is a seed. Sometimes God has you somewhere for a very long time where you sow, you reap, you, you harvest, you sow again. You know, I hope that is for us where we, we've sowed a lot, we're reaping, we go through the different seasons, but for some people, it's just a seed. And it's, it's hard for some people who, to, to wrap their heads around the fact that like, I, I really am supposed to, even if this is not my long-term stay, like I'm a student, I'm a graduate student. Like I, I know that one day I'm moving to China or Japan or the, my company's gonna send me to Arizona or whatever it is. Sometimes we forget that like, even though I might have a long-term plan or there's an end game for me that's not my church right now, it's still seed season. And I want to encourage you, there is going to be playgrounds built and there is going to be 
souls and children and lives reached and buildings built and cities revived in your name because of Jesus that you may never get the credit for on earth, but because it was seed season and you live like that, it's like, I, 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 I moved on, but my legacy remains. Some of us don't think that way. And I want to encourage you, it's seed season right now. I heard this story. It's really been a story of a couple people, but I'll take a couple people's stories. And one, there was one person who needed a new car and really felt like they needed to get a new vehicle. And, and, but also felt like they wanted to begin and exceed, not just meet, but exceed their here to stay commitment. And just waited on the vehicle even though there was a need for it and are waiting on it. Another person needed to do something to their home, but knew the costs would interfere with their here to stay commitment campaign, but said, I, I, I'm doing that first. I, I'm not just going to meet it. I'm going to exceed it. I'm going to trust that if I build God's house, he's going to build mine. And in both, in all these scenarios, these individuals receiving maximum elevated increase in their jobs unexpectedly. Then able to do what they wanted and needed to do while also being able to do what they first committed to. Friends, you can't tell me we don't serve a faithful God. Some of you think that God's mad, he's angry, he doesn't wanna help. Some of you think that God's this mean old dude upstairs. No, God loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to use you. God wants great things for you. He wants you to reach your potential, but God is not afraid because he loves you and he's a good father. He's not afraid to discipline you. He's not afraid to move you. He's not afraid to withhold from you when needed. But more than any of that, God's going, you got to trust me. Like if I've asked you to do something, if I've called you to do something, I know your needs. I catch your tears. I, I know every hair that used to be on your head. He's our father. I'm always testing my son. Always. Will you give me that French fry? And I don't know what it is about kids, but our natural tendency is to be like, no, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And I'm trying to break my kids of that until I don't have to ask their offering. I wonder if too many of us in the kingdom of God, we wait for God to ask us or prompt us and we just need to offer you should have, there should have been a little few more amens than that. God, I'm looking for ways to bless you and build your kingdom. I'm not even going to wait for you to speak to me. I'm closing, but it's time to get to work. Oh, I just feel like the best is in front of us as a church. I just feel like the harvest is on the way. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to see God move in a remarkable way. The question is, is come on and help out. Let's go. Let's do it together. In verse seven, 
Haggai says again, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. He says, look what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hope for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withheld the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Woo, that's a tough scripture. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his grace is upon grace and upon grace, and his mercy is great and wide, but like also, God ain't playing. God cares deeply about the children in our city. God cares deeply about the lost people in our region, in our city. God cares deeply about your friends and neighbors and family members who don't know him. God cares deeply that his city and our city and our community comes under revival. God cares deeply. And God is not afraid to do what God's got to do to wake believers up. To go, you go, build my house. Or you're going to spend all your time building stuff that won't last. God calls them to work. And church, it's time for us to get to work or elevate our work, begin our work, people of God. It's time for us to start being concerned with pleasing God. And that our lives are worship of fragrance that raises up to heaven. God says it's time for God's people to start being concerned with pleasing him, to take pleasure in attending church, to take pleasure in converting lost people, to take pleasure in giving sacrificially and consistently, to take pleasure in serving his church and his people, to take pleasure lifting up our hands and praising our God for the great things that he's done, to take pleasure being in the church, to take pleasure in praying, to take pleasure in knowing God, to take pleasure in serving, to take pleasure in the fact that he died for us and he loves us. We are his kids. He's our God to take pleasure. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I know you've been challenged and convicted and I know you've had a lot of emotions. You want to cry. You want to punch me. You're mad. Some of you are like, where do I fill out my commitment card? Let's take a second offering. Like, how do I sign up to serve? You know, I know you're feeling all the emotions today. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I want you to enjoy your journey with Jesus. I'm presenting opportunities for you to get to work. But more than anything, I just don't want you to forget that God who brought you out of slavery in Babylon. Have you ever prayed for something and then forgot who gave it to you? God, if you just give me a spouse, I'll lead my family to follow you. God, if you just get me out of this sticky situation, you can have my whole life. If you just get me out of jail, if you just get me out of mess, if you... 
I'll give my life to you if you uh, you can have it all if you if you would just get me through this dark time if you would just get me through this pain like I'm all yours God and then God delivers us and he saves us and he gives us what we prayed for and what we asked for and then all of a sudden life goes on for five ten minutes an hour four days ten days a year and we forgot what it was like to be in need Sometimes, and what he did with these people is he provided a drought. Some would call that harsh, but those who've been following God know a long time that God is concerned with the next life, not this life. And sometimes God takes drastic measures in your life to withhold or for you to God to even allow you to hit a place of rock bottom so you remember that it's only him who brings you out of the pit of despair. It's only him who saves you. It's only him who heals you. It's only him who can provide for you. It's only him who can redeem you. And sometimes we go through drought seasons and when we do, call it a blessing. When we're going through times of not having what we need, call it a blessing because what it's doing is it's driving me to my knees and it's making me lift my hands and say, Jesus, it was always all about you and I'm sorry, Lord, for what I made it. I'm sorry that I made it about money. I'm sorry I made it about stuff. I'm sorry I made it about another house. I'm sorry I made it about another relationship. I'm sorry I made it about another gain, another degree. It's all about you, Jesus. That's where he wants us to be. And sometimes the drought comes to redirect you to God again. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.